1: another chapter rule of two my name is darth amin coming to you live from the death star that is levitard show hq right here from south beach not the star wars south beach that we saw Andor on but the real south beach i know it's a new year and everyone's excited and there's gonna be so many shows that are coming out including the new season of the mandalorian which drops when mays march what march first march first that's right around the corner so we're not going to get our typical little break in between shows here. We're going straight from Bad Batch, pretty much, to Mandalorian.
2: Yeah, there will even be a little overlap.
1: A little crossover? No, that won't happen. Different time places to time periods. But nonetheless, a great time to be a Star Wars fan, a great time to listen to this podcast. I'm joined, as always, that's the voice of Darth Puzzle, Anthony Mays, the producer on the show, and my apprentice. And the Bad Batch is back, and I I know what a lot of you are thinking. Where's Mystery Crate? I want to hear the guys talk about their favorite Christmas cookies. I also know what some of the other yous are thinking. It's like, what is the Bad Batch? Bad Batch was basically set up at the end of the Clone Wars TV show, the last season of Clone Wars, before it got to the stuff at the end, which is the crossover between the Clone Wars and Revenge of the Sith was introducing us to these characters these five experimental clones and what that means is you know we started with the regular clones that were cloned off of jango fett and these guys were rank and file troopers they're bred basically to be soldiers their growth was accelerated so it's not like they waited to become 21 years old they they had them sped up and then you know Further generations of the clones, as the Clone Wars continued, they needed more clones. So you got some stuff like a little bit more specializations, like the ARC Troopers, which stands for Advanced Reconnaissance Commandos. So these guys are a little better and technically proficient. But then you got Clone Crew 99, CT-99s, which is five clone troopers who had genetic modifications in different areas. Tech is incredibly smart. Hunter is a good tracker and military combat strategist. Wrecker is huge, bigger than a regular clone, and incredibly strong. Crosshair is, as you could probably tell, is you know great aim, great shooter. And then the fifth one wasn't actually a CT ninety nine. It was Echo, but that's that's a long story. Just accept that he was <laughs> he was rescued by them and then became a part of them. So the Bad Batch represent. Because of their mutations or their modifications, I should say, the inhibitor chip that made all the other clones, execute Order 66, didn't quite work on them. So now you have this group of clone soldiers who do not represent the Empire, do not fight on the side of the Empire, but also don't really have a place. They're rogues. They're rogues. They are a rogue crew of clones. So, if you're like, hey, I want to get into the Bad Batch, but I haven't seen Clone Wars, the best thing I can tell you is watch the first four episodes of Clone Wars Season 7, and then watch Bad Batch Season 1, which was about 16 episodes. So in 20 episodes, you'll get caught up in who these, these guys are.
2: Or you could be like me and watch the second season. I watched the first episode when it came out and then i've seen the first two of season two.
1: Oh, so you didn't watch any of season one
2: i'll try and go back as we move through this season because we have three months of yep. bad batch ahead of us but yes it's not complex Amin just told you who they all are they all look different and are kind of like a fighting party in a Video game like a World of Warcraft or something like that, how you pick a character and they have certain abilities, certain strengths and weaknesses. And yes, the plot lines are not nearly as complex and dense as, andor we are shifting gears back to a PG rated show. I mean,
1: mm-hmm. yeah, although sometimes I watch this stuff that is PG rated in Star Wars and say to myself, Oh, that's kind of a little dark for kids, no. Particularly the end of episode two. So, we've explained who the Bad Batch are. Let me explain who the bad guys are. Put bluntly, the Empire.
2: Ah, the Empire. They're always the bad guys.
1: They're always the bad guys. And what they've done in this show, like May said, in a much more simplistic, dumbed-down way, trying to demonstrate the evil of the Empire as it imposes itself on everybody. The main villain, I guess, is Admiral Rampart. I guess this is the part where maybe even you will learn something here. Rampart is the guy that Governor Tarkin, soon to be Grand Moff Tarkin, has tabbed to lead the transition from clone troopers to stormtroopers. Rampart, like Tarkin, does not believe in the clones. Thinks that clones are overrated, and expensive, and most importantly cannot be controlled. I know that sounds kind of counterintuitive because obviously they have a chip in them and it made them execute Order 66 and they did that. But at the end of the day, the the clones are very organized, very structured, and they follow protocol. And so they are much less likely to go along with shenanigans because they are so driven by protocol and mission. They're very goal-oriented. They're all about finishing and completing the goal. In that way, they're less easy to control, as opposed to stormtroopers who are conscripted people who are basically saying, I love the Empire so much, I'm going to sign up for this.
2: Yeah, it's because the clones have already been trained during the Clone Wars. Yes, they know how to do this. They can't be reprogrammed, essentially.
1: Yes, pretty much. The friction started before the Bad Batch went rogue. Certain... Clone commanders are being selected to lead and train battalions of these stormtroopers. That's what a lot of season one is about. And the season one ended with Kamino being evacuated, pretty much. The prime minister of Kamino being assassinated. And the chief scientist at Kamino, who's in charge of the cloning and particularly Clone Force 99, has been abducted and taken to a secret Imperial facility. And that was the cliffhanger of season one. And I read about this, I can't remember where, but basically the gist of it is what Star Wars is doing now is all of its TV series are geared to retcon Rise of Skywalker. Mm. So if you think about in The Mandalorian, why they're trying to kidnap Grogu, what are these experiments that Dr. Pershing is doing? It's cloning, right? It's cloning because they're trying to reanimate the Emperor. Mm -hmm. Again, Nala Su, who is the chief scientist- On Camino, who's this master cloner. She's abducted. Why? Because they are trying to retcon it so that, oh, yeah, they, they had this plan all along. It started all the way back in the Bad Batch era, right? Right at the beginning of the Empire, Palpatine knew he needed to have himself cloned in case of emergency. That's pretty much what's happened. So they evacuate everybody. They assassinate the prime minister. They evacuate the clones. The only people who are left is Bad Batch. And Rampart, when he knows the facility has been evacuated, he basically orders a strike and has what they call an orbital bombardment, which is Star Destroyers come right up and just blow the ever-loving shit out of this Tacopa City, the capital Camino. And it collapses and it sinks. The Bad Batch escape, of course. But Rampart doesn't know this at the time. So he goes back and he reports that, yep, they're dead. Killed them. Seen it myself. Oversaw it. So here we are in season two. They're still doing these odd jobs for a bar owner named Sid, who was played by Rhea Perlman, better known as Carla from Cheers, also known as Danny DeVito's wife.
2: Very distinctive
1: voice. Yes, you tell it immediately. She plays... A very similar role to what Carl Weathers plays in The Mandalorian. Uh-huh. We have these jobs. I assign the jobs. You guys go out and do them. I take a cut. In season one, they actually owed her money, so they had to work off the debt. Now, in season two, it appears that they're just doing this because this is how they make a living. But they don't actually owe her anything, as evidenced by her asking them to do this big strike, this big heist. aren't saying, why? And she says, for freedom. And he's like, we already got freedom. She scoffs. She says, that's cute that you think you're free. Which reminded me, Maze, of Andor. After the Aldani heist, him living his life and pretending like whatever's happening in this galaxy doesn't have anything to do with me. I'm free. I've done it. I got I got the job done. I got paid. And I'm cool. And it takes, obviously, Andor getting arrested under some bullshit pretenses to understand Oh, shit, none of us are free because these guys are assholes and they run everything. So they go do this heist. The heist is breaking into Count Dooku's castle and stealing the war chest of stuff that he appropriated and stole off of all the planets he conquered. Bunch of weapons and jewels. At this point, Maze, I discovered, doing my research, that a lot of people did not know that Count Dooku was a man of means. He was born into a rich royal family. What do you mean? He's a count. He's a count. That's what I thought. I was like, you guys just thought it was just a... He's
2: not Darth Dooku.
1: Yeah. That's his title (laughs) because he's got a goddamn castle. Obviously, when he was born and he was discovered to be force sensitive, his family sent him off to be a Jedi. While he was in the Jedi Order, his brother became count and lived in the castle and... Was in charge of Sereno, but apparently his brother was a real piece of shit, Maze. Mm. Eating sloppy steaks. <laughs> a Trafontis. Yeah, a exactly. So, Duke actually came back and killed his brother.
2: Fratricide.
1: And took over the planet to save the planet. He left the Jedi Order, A, because he had to go back and assume worldly titles and all those things, which, of course, you will counter what the Jedi teach, but also... Because of the death of Qui-Gon really shook him up. But he had already left the Jedi Order, but he was on good terms until the death of Qui-Gon.
2: And that's what you get to see in the Tales of the Jedi that we talked about briefly, but more Dooku backstory. I don't think we go to his castle in that show, though, do we?
1: We don't in that show, but we do in Clone Wars. There are several episodes that take place. This is his base of operations, so people come to see him there and we see that weird window that's kind of yellowish and has a very ornate design. We see his throne that has two prongs, and that is, of course, because Dooku is a Sith. It's a rule of two. It's the same reason why Vader's castle has two prongs. So Dooku comes back, he's a count, immediately makes Sereno join the Separatists, leading the droid army and all that, and he's pillaging. He's pillaging all these worlds, but also we find out in this First two episodes that he pillaged Sereno as well. He stole from the people. We get the idea that, yeah, Dooku turned out to be a real piece of shit too. Even though he saved Sereno from his brother, he ultimately became just as much a piece of shit.
2: So they're going to go get what he left in his stores, but the only problem is that the Empire is already there.
1: Yes. And so they've got to extract whatever they can because just one of these containers can set them up for life in terms of not needing to work Random heist jobs in order to make a living. They arrive at Sereno and yada yada yada. I'm not I'm not gonna bore you guys with details because to be honest with you, not much happens. They go, they get split up, some shenanigans ensues.
2: Well, I mean, it is a worthwhile reintroduction to the rule of two because most of the plot involves a shipping container. That's right. The whole gang tries to get into a shipping container, the shipping container. Gets closed, they're locked inside, it gets dropped from the sky, it's perched perilously on a cliff, and Omega, who, you want to tell us a little bit about Omega?
1: Oh, yes. Yeah. so I mentioned earlier that there were five clones in the Bad Batch. Hunter, Wrecker, Tech, Crosshair, but I didn't mention the fifth, because Echo technically is not one of them. The fifth is Omega, or as she pronounces it, Omega, because she has a very oceanic accent. Even though she appears to be a child, she's, I believe, somewhere between 12 and 14 years old, she's actually older than all of the CT-99s, the Bad Batch, and the reason why is because she was Nala Su's apprentice when working in the lab. She remembers when they were born, when they were created. Of course, they had their ages accelerated, and that's why they're grown men, and she's a little girl, but... It is a very fun and funny kind of juxtaposition there. As a result, they look at her as their sister because technically she is their sister. And they have now set off in season two to train her in their ways, right? To try to make her more of a functional member of this group. Not everyone feels that way, of course. Echo, for instance, feels like the reason why they're always on the run and their lives suck basically is because of this girl. They're not allowed to do riskier things because they have to worry about her. By the way, did you notice, Maze, her bow and arrow? Where's that from?
2: Don't know where that's from. It's shooting little, are those little lightsaber
1: arrows? Laser bolts, yeah. Laser bolts from the bow and arrow, which made its first appearance in Clone Wars by the Night Sisters of Dathomir, mm. which were a bunch of witches who were also... Darth Maul's mom, I guess. That's where he's from. He's from Dathomir as well. But, Maze, for me, I recognize him from the game Fallen Order. When Cal Kestis goes to Dathomir and he's got to search around and he's attacked by all these Dathomir warriors, they all have that bow and arrow, which is another way that Star Wars has something that's delightfully primitive future. Yeah. Bow and arrow, but make it laser bolts.
2: It's a risky proposition pulling the string back because it's got a little handle, but that's real close to just slicing your fingers off with the bowstring.
1: Yeah, I imagine that there's some sort of safety mechanism there, but it doesn't seem to ever come into play.
2: Omega's smooth
1: with it, though. Yeah, she's cool. She's shooting crabs and everything. The playoffs have
3: started in basketball and hockey, and there's really only one way that I can enjoy it. For me, drinking Miller Lite while the action is going on makes the game that much more exciting and that much more delicious. A lot has changed over the years, but one thing that hasn't, the great taste of Miller Lite. Another thing that hasn't changed is that it's less filling. So what is the best thing about the original light beer? Miller Lite sparked this debate in 1975, and we still haven't settled it. So what do you look for in a light beer? Great taste or less filling? For me, it's great taste and less filling. Miller Lite keeps it simple. Undebatable quality, great taste, and only 96 calories. It's the beer that strips away everything you don't need and holds on to what matters most. A light beer that tastes like beer. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and is less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right at your door, visit MillerLite.com slash crate, C-R-A-T-E. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer calories and carbs than premium regular beer.
0: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium?
1: in the show has to learn about all the different ships that the Empire uses. And this reminded me of Andor learning Aldani phrases and all that stuff with, off a little device. We're getting a little character development stuff here and there. They get split up. Omega, Tech, and Echo are in one group. Wrecker and Hunter are in the other. Omega, Tech, and Echo end up rescued by this old man who is a Sereno native, a Serenian. I really enjoyed it because it drives home a lot of points about the clones, about even Bad Batch clones. But they're all clones. So they think in the same way. So the old man has a hard drive yeah. that's filled with information, and he asks tech to kind of unlock it. And tech does. And he says, oh, is this separatist data? And he's like, no, it's Sereno, Serenian. We existed before there was this thing called the CIS, Free the war where there was a planet here. We had culture and customs and information and all that. And that helped Tech realize he keeps seeing everything through the lens of soldier at war, right? Separatists are bad and obviously dehumanizing or whatever the word is because there are aliens in Star Wars. Even Omega, she's very driven on going back to getting the war chest to get the loot. And they're like, well, forget about it. It's like, but that's the mission. That's exactly how all the colonists think. They have to complete the mission. They're so mission-oriented. So mission-oriented that even this 12-year-old girl, she's handed a kaleidoscope by the old man. Hey, she doesn't know what it is. So when she looks inside it, she thinks it's filled with jewels.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Spoke to her not having a childhood because she grew up in a lab on Camino. But when told, oh... No, it's 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 a toy. She could not understand it. She could understand this concept of being happy just for the sake of having something that made you happy. I really enjoyed that. Like, the idea that, like, even though these are our protagonists and, w- you know, we follow them and we care about them, like, they're all kind of f- up in the head. Mm-hmm. Either A, because they were bred to do one thing, which is be soldiers in a war, a very specific war, or B, in the case of Omega, because she didn't have a childhood. She's just... Some weirdo who grew up in a lab?
2: Yeah, when they're not in combat, which is what they are very comfortable with, they're definitely (laughs) a little bit aimless, and that's them trying to figure out what to do in the galaxy. Omega definitely epitomizes that, and she gets to keep the little kaleidoscope, a little keepsake to remember Romar,
1: this guy. Romar, that's his name, Lorenzo Romar. That's what I love about Star Wars is when you could tell Oh, I know where y'all got that name from That ain't no coincidence, man That's someone who likes college basketball That came up with that one <laughs> It's like Camino being the name of a planet Like, guys, it's named after the car Don't overthink this <laughs> They have fun over there, over the Lucasfilm
2: Oh, I thought it was named after what Pat Riley calls you
1: Camino Acid? Yeah The episode ends with the Bad Batch escape, and they escape empty-handed, but it's whatever. You have our lives or whatever. And by the way, there was a nice little Easter egg callback to Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade where Omega's trying to reach to grab some loot. Echo is trying to pull her up, and he says, just forget about it. Let it go. And same way that Indiana Jones had to forget about the Holy Grail and just allow his father to pull him up.
2: Sir Christ?
1: <laughs> da Vinci Code on Cinephobe. Now, the episode ends with a scene that exactly highlights what I talked about earlier. That these clones are just not what the Empire wants. Admiral Rampart shows up. debriefs Captain Wilco, who is the clone commander who is in charge of the troops, that were supposed to execute the extraction of these spoils of war and then came across the Bad Batch clones and engaged them in firefight and all that. And Admiral Rampart says, There's some inaccuracies in your report. He says, What is it? it says it says, You encountered Clone Force 99. That's not possible. They're dead. I saw them die on Camino because I was the one who oversaw the destruction. And of course, Captain Wilco says, Well, sir, I don't know what to tell you. I saw them. I saw two of them engage them in firefight. It's not incorrect. So Rampart's like, I get it, buddy. I'm asking you to do me a solid here because I told Tarkin that they're dead. So if there's a report that says they're running around trying to steal shit, kind of makes me look like a dumbass. So do me a solid, rewrite the report, just leave their names out. And Wilco says no because Wilco is a clone and the clones follow protocol and procedure. And protocol and procedure said, this happened, I'm putting that in a report. I'm not falsifying a report. And Rampart basically says, oh, I understand, and kills them. Which I thought, like I said, was very dark. But, Maze, did it remind you of anything? That whole interaction?
2: I mean, it's kind of like Cassian. Yeah. In the beginning of Rogue One, more than in the beginning of Andor.
1: Cassian in the beginning of Rogue One, but also everything that we know about the Empire from Andor. Right. This dude is more worried about his career... Than getting this shit right.
2: Yeah, and that really is exemplary of what you said about the clones. It's like, the clones aren't willing to be corrupt. Yep. And we know that corruption is a huge part of what the Empire becomes, all the way up to the top. So, we see it start to creep in here, because Wilco, of course, is a clone trooper.
1: Yes. As clone as clone gets. He's got the tight cut. Yeah. Yeah. It highlights why the clones had to be phased out. Despite them being superior fighting machines, basically beyond their expense, the problem is they are incorruptible. Even with the inhibitor chip in them, they are incorruptible. And so you need people who are so loyal, they don't give a shit what you tell them to do. Be a shit bag. And even if that means they are considerably less adept at doing their jobs, less skilled, less trained, but way more numbers. Hence the transition to the stormtroopers. There you have it, a nice little brief recap of who the Bad Batch are and kind of where we're headed this season, Maze, because I have a feeling we haven't seen the last of Rampart. It can't be long before Tarkin figures out these guys are alive and still causing problems across the galaxy. And to see how their paths cross with maybe other Star Wars characters. We know in season one they cross paths with Saw Gerrera. They were actually ordered to kill Sargera and didn't, and that's one of the reasons why they fell on the bad side of the Empire. I'm really excited about this. I think Bad Batch is a very cool show, taking us behind the scenes of the deterioration of the Republic, the rise of the Empire, and then, again, reiterating all the themes that we saw in andor that the Empire is corrupt and the Empire, particularly its power structure, is all built on people trying to outdo one another it's all office politics
2: we also got one cameo here from fiji noah who's voiced by wanda sykes another unmistakable voice so i'm sure she'll be back this season as a space pirate
1: she's a pirate which you know of course opens the door for a lot of other beloved characters space pirates like the one and only hondo onaka if he comes in, man, I'm, I'm going to lose my shit, man. That's I'm still waiting for the live action Hondo.
2: Is there a show that he would possibly pop up in timeline-wise? He couldn't show up in Mandalorian, right?
1: He could. He'd be old, but he could. Same thing with Ahsoka. Let me just take a couple of minutes to talk about, because Ahsoka's coming out in 2023. Mandalorian season three is about returning to Mandalore and cleaning it up. This toxic dump of Mandalore and Mando, Jinjarin... Going and finding redemption for taking off his helmet because he's such a weirdo with that shit. But Ahsoka, have you heard about what is going to be like, Maze? Have we talked about this? Nope. We've all thought that Ahsoka was going to be about her search for Grand Admiral Thrawn and, by extension, Ezra Bridger, who are sucked into some sort of time-space continuum warp, and we don't know where they are or when they are. It was teased, of course, in Mandalorian when Ahsoka fights the magistrate.
2: Yeah, you're talking about Chapter 13, Season 2, Episode 5, The Jedi, when we meet Ahsoka, played by Rosario Dawson, my mortal enemy.
1: When she defeats her, she asks, where's Thrawn? Thrawn was this Imperial Admiral who was an amazing tactician, just absolutely brilliant who was responsible for many Imperial victories against the rebels. But eventually he gets, as I said, sucked into time-space continuum by Ezra Bridger, who was a young Jedi who was trained by Kanan Jarrus, who himself was a Jedi Padawan during Order 66. And his master was actually killed by clones who were with the Bad Batch on that day. A nice kind of little circular around thing tying everything together she's on the hunt for this guy but the rumors coming out time travel and the multiverse are going to be explored heavily here and now before you say oh wait hold on man now star wars has this shit too they've actually had it before they had it in rebels that's how ahsoka is with us because originally in rebels ahsoka dies Darth Vader kills her. If you watched Obi-Wan and you saw that fight at the end between Obi-Wan and Darth Vader and the the helmet cracks and all that stuff, all that shit was ripped off. Ripped off 100% from Star Wars Rebels. In Rebels, it's Ahsoka who fights Vader at a Sith temple and she managed to get one good shot on him, cracks his helmet, sees his face, the whole voice going half Anakin, half Vader. He calls her name, he says Ahsoka, and she turns around and she says, I'm not going to abandon you because she thinks she's gotten through to Anakin. And then Anakin, you see the eye kind of squint and turn very Sith, fiery yellow. And he says, then you're going to die. And then he kills her. But we don't actually see it, but, you know, he kills her. We know he turned into a sushi roll. But in the final season of Rebels, Ezra discovers this thing called World Between Worlds. And it's a portal that force users can enter and through it access different moments in time and in it he accesses the moment where ahsoka is about to die and he pulls her out thus saving her life and allowing her to continue living and that's why we get to see ahsoka in the mandalorian or we're gonna see ahsoka in her own show ahsoka this is the main vehicle that ahsoka is going to use to look for ezra but apparently, they also cast someone to play young Ahsoka, meaning she's going to enter the portal and see herself at a younger age with Anakin Skywalker, who will be played by Hayden Christensen.
2: Well, there you go. The Hayden Christensen scenes that I've been longing for at long last. because We didn't get him in Obi-Wan.
1: He got a little bit in Obi-Wan, but we're going to get a lot more here. He gets to actually be Anakin Skywalker. I'm very excited about that. I think everyone should be excited about that. Let's stop here. We'll reconvene next week. We'll go back to kind of just more of the episode breakdowns. For Darth Corn Puzzle, I'm Darth Ameen reminding you.
2: Being happy is worth more than any
1: treasure. Till next time.
3: That started in basketball and hockey and there's really only one way that I can enjoy it. For me, drinking Miller Lite while the action is going on makes the game that much more exciting and that much more delicious. A lot has changed over the years but one thing that hasn't, the great taste of Miller Lite. Another thing that hasn't changed is that it's less filling. So what is the best thing about the original light beer? Miller Lite sparked this debate in 1975 and we still haven't settled it. So what do you look for in a light beer? Great taste or less filling? For me, it's great taste and less filling. Miller Lite keeps it simple undebatable quality great taste and only 96 calories it's the beer that strips away everything you don't need and holds on to what matters most a light beer that tastes like beer you don't have to choose what's best miller Lite has great taste and is less filling tastes like miller time to get miller Lite delivered right at your door visit millerlitecom slash crate c-r-a-t-e or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer celebrate responsibly miller brewing company milwaukee wisconsin 96 calories per 12 ounces fewer calories and carbs than premium regular beer